0: Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you, and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Okay, ladies, today we are talking about all of the things that you want to know about, such as your periods in menopause and perimenopause and even some poop, but you never want to ask. So my guest today is Dr. Lindsay Marr, and she is the owner and director of Soleil. She's a licensed naturopathic doctor in Connecticut. And she is passionate about women's health in all stages of life and in constant disbelief with how wonderful the female body is and has so much information about all of the things that we think we have to suffer through that we don't really have to. So listen up, take some notes because this is a really good conversation, even if it's a little uncomfortable and even if it's outside of the norm of what we typically talk about on this podcast, but it is so necessary. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so this is like, I would say it's a really fun conversation. It's not a fun conversation, but it's such a necessary one. So today we are talking all about having like awful periods and, and what your body as a woman does and goes through once you get to a certain age and like what's normal and not. So we're going to, we're going to just dive into all of, all of those things. And I know like there's going to be so many people out there be like, Oh, like, (laughs) you know, I, I, this resonates with me because I have to say, that I had gone to my OBGYN and when I was explaining some things to her, like what was going on, she's like, well, welcome to midlife tough. It sucks. And that was so upsetting to me, which is why there's so much value in what you do. So let's, I guess, let's just start there. Like start with that. Like, what is your response to that comment? So
1: being that I'm not in that phase of my life, Yet, Um, some people like to maybe look down on that and maybe not take my opinions so credibly, if you will. But I did find something that I really liked. um, It was from a phrase, I think, I can't remember who wrote it or posted it on social media. But basically, if you are having perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms, you need to break up with your OB guy because they're not the person who's really going to help you. But also, if you're reaching out to them, looking for help at that time, it's a little too late. We kind of have to start this process a little bit earlier on. And so that's why I think I bring a lot of value because I'm kind of in the middle. I've obviously been cycling for a good amount of time, but I still have a good amount of time of cycling left. And so this is really like, I want to say mid-30s is probably the time we want to start talking to somebody about it. Before we have all these questions.
0: So, what what does perimenopausal even mean? Like, let's start there. What age sure. range does can someone expect to get to that point?
1: So, a lot of people like to use the term premenopausal interchangeably with perimenopausal, but technically, they don't mean the same thing. In essence, they both mean like before okay. menopause. But premenopausal is truly a woman who is cycling fertile, um, has a regular period every month. And perimenopausal is about that seven to 10 years before menopause actually sets in. We often maybe connote it with like that one to two years leading up to menopause because that's when a lot of those changes take place. But truthfully, it can be, you know, the average age of menopause in the United States is 51. So, you know, think about the number of women who may be going to menopause before that, go into menopause after that. So we're looking at if the eight average age is 51, 7 to 10 years before that. So we're looking at women in their 40s who are pretty much kind of experiencing this metapa- perimenopausal time. And so that's when things like maybe your sleep starts to change. Maybe you're getting a little warmer than you used to. Um, Sometimes that can look like hot flashes, but it can look like night sweats too. There's just a change. There's a shift, and sometimes it's that uncomfortable. I don't know. Like that question you probably were bringing to your gynecologist, who said, "Welcome to midlife." But it's it can be a constellation of different things. Everyone experiences it. It could be that stubborn weight that we just can't lose. And you know, as women, we you know identify with our bodies and. Any change, especially as it pertains to body composition, could be that trigger too. So it can be so many different things. Uh, But a lot of it could be that we just don't feel comfortable. We might not even be able to put our pulse on what it is. We just know something's different.
0: So, okay. So then what... (sighs) What is an irregular period then? Like what should someone, like what are the signs we talk about pre and peri and like what is that, how does that reflect in in a cycle or in a period? Like what does that look like? Sure.
1: So when we're talking about a menstrual cycle, which is also known as an ovulatory cycle, because in essence, the purpose of this cycle is to essentially get pregnant. So it's not necessarily... the bleed but that's what we'll experience much of our lives doing so it's from the first day of one bleed to the next bleed and that we consider a menstrual cycle and so that when so when we ask how long that cycle is that's when we're counting and so science and research says that a normal cycle is between roughly 27 to 32 days so we should be having between Nine and ten to twelve periods a year. Anything less than that is too frequently and too short of a cycle. Anything more than that, um, actually, sorry, flip it. Anything more than that is too um, too many cycles. So if you're having like thirteen, it means you're probably having a shorter cycle. Oh, that poor to person. To- Yeah, (laughs) but then it's equally as detrimental if you're having like eight periods a year or seven periods a year because your cycles are probably averaging about 40 to 45 or 50 days. And with that, you really should not be having too much cramping. I mean, a little bit of cramping is normal. We're shedding a uterine lining after all. Um, But you should not feel like you're giving birth every month. You should not be doubled over in pain. If you are taking pain relievers, you should be getting relief from that. If you're not, that is something you probably should talk to a provider about. Um, flow should not be super, super heavy, and that's kind of hard to while quanti- qual- kind of quantitate because do you use tampons? Do you use a cup? Do you use a disc? Do you use pads? So when we are saying like bleeding too heavily we're usually saying are you bleeding through a pad like every hour or two like that's totally not normal um are there <laughs> are there any like discrepancies in the flow um those types of things um is it too short are you bleeding for like two or 3 days is it super light and you're just spotting you know all these things are some variation of abnormal. Um, So I guess if we were to say like an ideal period would be 20 days, minimal cramping, don't need to take a pain reliever, don't need to take off time from work, don't need to be in the fetal position on our bed for much of that time. Um, No headaches because that's frequent too. We get women who have hormonal headaches. And also the big thing is, is what's leading up to your period. Are you feeling like you want to kill everybody? (laughs) And sometimes we can even say, oh, no, I'm feeling some kind of way. Let me check my calendar. Then you get your period the next day and you're like, oh, it makes sense. (laughs) You really shouldn't be able to be experiencing those um, depressive symptoms leading up to your period, probably not super normal, but it is normal to feel fatigued um, because our hormones are in flux at that point. They're not sure, did we get pregnant? Did we not get pregnant? So we're trying to de- decide if that's the case and if we're preparing for a baby or if we're preparing for a bleep. So pretty much what most of um, the women in the United States are kind of experiencing are some variation of that, which is unfortunate. And I think the conversation is we're not having it enough. So we don't know what normal is. And it's the same thing. I talk to my patients about going to the bathroom, which is equally as as what's happening in your hormonal cycles because, you know, what is happening in the bathroom? Are you going regularly? Are you not? And people kind of dismiss it because no one wants to talk about it. So, but when you don't know what normal is, you can't know what abnormal is. Yeah. And I actually had a patient recently who said, you know, I just thought it was normal to be in excruciating, debilitating pain every month. And turned out she had endometriosis and she had lack of which is typically used to remove some of that tissue. And she's like, my periods have never been better. So it's, you don't know what you don't know, right? Hmm.
0: All right. So let's talk, you you talked about going to the bathroom and we're just going to go there. What's normal? (laughs) All right. So are we going
1: at least once a day? Are we struggling or not struggling? Uh, We should not be having a hard time to move those bowels. Should come out like butter, if you will. (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, yeah I, I, you should not be sitting on the toilet for a long period of time um, ideally you're not seeing food in the toilet bowl that might indicate that we're having a maldigestion you know there's just so many things that our body tells us that we don't need to go to the doctor to tell us um, if we just kind of paid a little bit of attention and got over some of the ick factor if you will
0: <laughs> I'm like totally just laughing. I'm like, well, this is like a total first that we are having this conversation. That's okay. We're good. Well, See, and this is why it's recording.
1: Exactly. You know everybody is thinking about it. And like, "Oh, she's yeah. totally reading my mind right now."
0: Yeah. Because yeah. no one
1: else is having that conversation. Uh so yeah, are you going at least once a day? Is what color is it? Um there's a fancy chart called the Bristol stools Scale. Uh, you can Google it, <laughs> and it's basically five different um, substances of what stool looks like. And if yours should look more like four or five, I want to say, um, if I'm recalling correctly, um, you should not really be going more than four or five times a day. Some people do go ideally in correspondence with the number of meals that they're eating, because when you're taking it in, it's got to come out, right? Uh, so. I would say all those things. Yeah, pretty much that's what normal would be. You should not be struggling to have a bad movement. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing.
0: This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal-getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at SheWhoWins.com. All right. So going back to periods then, because I do know that that's something that, like, I know so many people who, like, we have group texts and stuff and, like you know some of my friends will will kind of complain about their suffering that they're going through. Yeah. What can you do? Like what's the first step that you can do to change that or fix your period?
1: So I think that it's really good to get a practitioner that's in your corner who's going to listen to you and not dismiss your feelings first. That's super important because we have kind of taken We've taken a very personal matter and we've kind of exploited it a little bit. So like when you go into the gynecologist's office, you're expected to take off your bottoms, put on a, uh, a sheet or a cover. They come in, they do their thing and that's it. And you're like, maybe I've never met this person before or I've had, you know, at least take me out to dinner Right? Like there's no, there's no camaraderie there and you're about to just expose yourself. So I think you, getting comfortable with your provider is of utmost importance. And I think, again, we've been conditioned to think, okay, white sterile walls, this cold like thing that they're about to insert into me, all these things are just not comfortable. No, you, you can find that. But because we've created a baseline for it, we don't have higher expectations. So find a provider who ticks all your boxes and biggest one being comfortable and somebody who listens to you and tell them how you're feeling. And if they don't suggest that we check and look at your hormones, they're not the provider for you. I have made that suggestion to patients in the past to go back to their uh, their OB-GYNs. They won't do it but they're ready to be quick to put you on birth control. But it's like, wait a second. Yes. I just asked you to check the thing that you're now going to give me synthetic variations of. Why are we not looking at this? So that is the big thing. Looking at your hormones. It's very, very common that women either have low progesterone, which is more of the calming, sedative, um, second phase of your cycle hormone. And oftentimes you have too much estrogen, which is that more dynamic, um, you know, get stuff done. She kind of takes control, takes control of the first half of your cycle hormone. And they're both great in their own regards, but we want them in perfect balance. And if they're not, you are going to get a little bit of that. Oh, maybe I'm getting insomnia, but leading up to my period because I just don't have enough progesterone or maybe I'm super, super tired because I'm bleeding too much with my period because I have way too much estrogen. They both bring to the table very important components of a woman's cycle, but they both need to know their place and stay there. And so, once you can have an idea of where your hormones are, and it's a really good way to start is by having them checked in blood or serum and meeting with a practitioner who knows okay, we have too much estrogen here, let's balance this out. You have too much progesterone or not enough progesterone, we need to balance that out. And, you know, that would be where I would start first. oftentimes so too because I do both hormones and gut stuff is oftentimes these women are not pooping <laughs> so then we kind of got to go back to that conversation and say all right like are we not if we're not eliminating we're not getting rid of extra things so let's make sure all those those pipes are working too before we find the
0: other. it all comes down to the poop so exactly. I'm, def- I'm deflecting and bringing us back to something else because apparently I don't want to talk about the poop but <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. No, 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 no. But you did talk, you brought something up that I do want to go back to because I think it's so important is birth control. Because mm-hmm. I will share that when I had went to my doctor and was like, listen, my, my periods are pretty awful. I have these headaches. I'm not sleeping. She's like, that is exactly what she said is let's put you on birth control. Mm-hmm. I took the birth control. It's supposed to be low hormone birth control. And I was so depressed. Like I, and I'm not a depressed person. And I was like, what is wrong with me that I like, I feel this way. And I knew something was up and I immediately stopped, never went back on and it completely changed it. And then I went, went and and did everything that you, you were talking about. Mm. Um, So let's talk about birth control and why that's not necessarily a fix or what your feelings are on it.
1: Sure. So I think it's fair to say that the advent of hormonal birth control really gave women the empowerment to go into the workforce and not become a mom right away and can control kind of those things that we felt out of control. I will definitely give it credit there. It's also allowing for underserved populations to have a little bit more control who don't have education surrounding their body. It's giving them a little bit of control so that we don't perpetuate the cycle essentially of like poverty, for example. But I think the part that's missing here is that if women knew more about their bodies, it would give them actually more empowerment and control over their planning than to take kind of something that dismisses and shuts down the conversation between the brain and your ovaries. So it's interesting that you say about the depression thing. They are finding that the younger a woman goes uh, on birth control, like leading up to 18. Because their brains are not fully formed, there is a greater likelihood that they're also going to be put on antidepressants too. And oh so, yeah, it's really, it's interesting because there's a the part of your brain that tells the rest of your body to put out certain hormones, even though happy hormones like serotonin and dopamine are not the same as your estrogen and your progesterone. They're still having the conversation or rather like uh, the tower in your brain that's Telling the rest of your body to do those things, it comes from the exact same place. So, if you're, it's the same thing, if you don't work out for like a couple of weeks, right, your muscles will get smaller. So, the same is, or similar principle applies to a part of your brain that's not fully formed and then not fully being fully exercised either. It's gonna not do what it's supposed to. So, they are finding that women are gonna be more likely to be put on uh, antidepressants for that more often in the younger group, not necessarily in the older group, but to speak to what you experienced, because of the dynamic nature of hormones and the up and the down and the ebbs and the flows, we are by proxy creative individuals. And you're going to get these surges of creativity and these surges of productivity. And if you are on hormonal birth control, you're not getting that up and down and those ebbs and those flows. So you're not going to be as creative as you would like to be. You're not going to be as dynamic. You're not going to be as productive. And so naturally, if that's the kind of person that you are and you're not feeling the the intentions and the emotions to do those things, you probably are going to regress a little bit and feel those sensations of depression. So it's not a problem.
0: That's interesting. huh? Mm-hmm. Who knew? I'd like to like... I wish I could go back and track and like think when I had my most creative moments. Cause so much of like, I was on birth control for so long as an adult and that was probably like, that was probably when I, I did like my, for me, creativity is through writing. And if I think about that stretch of time, that was that the whole decade when I wrote the least and it was like later. And I just wonder if there's a connection or I was just lazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, could be, <laughs> who knows? I think it's so. <laughs> so, so how, so what do you do then? So you get, you get blood work, right. To check your hormones. And then you find out your levels are off. What is the next step? Like, how would you treat someone who came to you? Who was like, like me?
1: So. For me, the starting place would be making sure oftentimes sleep is a common problem. And if we're experiencing low progesterone or too much estrogen, that's kind of putting progesterone on the the sidebar. Chances are those calming things are going to be compromised. And what I mean by that are your ability to go to sleep and stay asleep. So if insomnia is a problem for you um, as a result of imbalanced hormones, Um, anxiety is very common when we see low progesterone too. I had Um, no idea. mm -hmm, Yeah. And so that's, you know, interesting to that is I had a patient of mine tell me she was trying to get pregnant and she was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I could do this. My anxiety is going to be through the roof. I don't know if I could do this. And I was like, well, let's think about this. We often associate and talk about estrogen all the time, both from a menopausal standpoint, but also from a pregnancy standpoint. But all, but to be honest with you, progesterone plays a huge role in ensuring that your pregnancy stays pregnant. Um, and so I said to her, I said, "How are you in the second half of your cycle when you have the most progesterone?" I was like, "Are you anxious?" And she's like, "No, I'm not." I was like, well, think about how you're feeling in those last two weeks of your cycle, and just amplify that by the nine to ten months that you're. I don't foresee anxiety being an issue for you because you're going to be predominantly progesterone. And she had a pretty anxiety-free pregnancy and she's like totally blown by that. But yes, so those things can impact the insomnia and the anxiety can really impact the productivity and your day-to-day. So I would try to, while we're trying to kind of enhance progesterone production or decrease or eliminate some extra estrogen, I want to make sure that you're getting to sleep and I want to make sure that we're managing, you know, the anxiety appropriately because that can just be debilitating and then there's a speed forward cycle. So it's like, oh my god, I'm having an anxious moment. It's going to impact the rest of my day. And I know sleep it sounds like a broken record to say how important it is, but truthfully, you want a successful tomorrow, you want a great sleep tonight. So to make sure that these women are sleeping and Anxiety
0: free is a huge start. I, it's it's so interesting to me um, the anxiety piece of it because when I had originally went and and said I need like help something's not mm-hmm. right I my like I had anxiety and I never in my entire life had anxiety I'm not an anxious mm-hmm. person I'm like what is this and I'm mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense and I don't have anxiety anymore but I also had like the headaches which were. You know, they're not a migraine headache, but they were for two days. They impacted my entire, you know, everything I could do in that day because they were they Mm -hmm. would not go away. Tylenol wouldn't make it go away. And Mm -hmm. it's like I thought, oh, this is just normal. and I have to live with it. And we don't. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, every little thing that you experience as a person that seems like it's deviating from your normal, because, again, we might not know what normal is, but. If something's deviating from us, it's fair to say that that's some degree of an alarm that our body's like, something's off, we need to pay attention to it. And unfortunately, as a society, we're kind of set, we, we're kind of told, okay, just brush it aside or take a painkiller or take some sort of reliever, and then that's it. And you're good to go and you continue on your way. But no, experiencing that bit of anxiety that you never experienced before, experiencing that headache that you don't really ever experienced either those are not normal for you so it's fair to say that there's something off and i think women have this immense intuition in general i mean i'm not a mom yet but you probably can speak to this for having you know a son like you probably know things before he even tells you or when he was crying as a baby you probably knew things like oh he's crying i know what he wants you know that's the 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 hunger cry or that's the mm. tired cry or whatever it is women especially have been gifted with this great and immense intuition and so the moment you think something's off about your body that chances are you're probably right
0: same goes for relationships <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the intuition yeah um all right i mean that's that's such amazing stuff I, and where i can't believe we're getting to the end of this already but i want you to talk um, about seed cycling because I know that that's something um, that was recommended to me and Mm -hmm. um, I think it it would be useful here.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's a nice, easy integration, especially if I'm working with women who are kind of on um, a strict budget with what they can pay for like supplements or whatnot. Everyone has to eat, right? So we say, and I mentioned this before, regarding the two different phases in the menstrual cycle. So the first two weeks, in an ideal cycle of 28 days would be what we call the follicular phase. And so this is kind of where estrogen is a little bit more prominent. And then the second half of the cycle from ovulation to bleed or to pregnancy would be the more progesterone dominant phase. So the idea with seed cycling is that we are essentially eating seeds. So in the follicular phase, sometimes I don't know this Immediately off the top of my head. So I apologize if I must speak. But we're eating seeds like flax in the follicular phase, and it's more estrogen promoting. So it's kind of telling the body, hey, this is where we're at, and this is what I want to support. But in addition, flax seeds are really good at bulking up the stool. So not only are they going to promote this estrogen component, <laughs> it but it's also... It back to the poop. <laughs> it does. And so what ends up happening is if you are having complications with that, and that could be a component, is that it's also going to facilitate you to go to the bathroom. So that's a really good part there. So it's kind of twofold in that respect. And then in the second half, you're going to consume seeds like, um, like sunflower and sesame seeds, and those are going to be more progesterone-promoting, and again your body, hey, this is where we're at. And this is what we want to be and what we want to do. So basically, I always suggest whenever I'm working with women who are trying to do things related to their hormones, we give everything a minimum of 90 days before we switch gears. And that's because the way our our cells are manufactured is that whatever you're doing today is going to dictate what happens in roughly three months. And so that's true of the eggs that we're going to mature um, or we're going to ovulate at that particular cycle. And so if you don't notice immense changes in the first one or two months, give it at least another 30 days beyond that. And then that's for me, my gauge if we need to switch gears or what we need to do to kind of make it more fine to, to the person.
0: All right. So such good information. These are the, the, is the information in the conversation that most people didn't know that they needed. Um, but I'm sure everyone who listens is like, yes, you're talking to me. So before I ask my final question, um, where can we find you? Well, first of all, let me mention that you are one of our sponsors at the She Who Summit. You are going to be there. You have a booth that that will be there that day. You are doing something super cool um, that weekend and you're doing IVs for hydration, for energy, for... And I'm like... I love getting IVs. (laughs) I've gone to Lindsay multiple times, especially before I travel. It's kind of my favorite thing to do um, because you feel amazing after it. So you'll be there and anyone coming in for the weekend who wants to schedule an IV can do that. So it's super fun thing to do. Um, But tell us where we can find you online and connect with you.
1: Sure. So you can go to my website, Soleil Holistic, S-O-L-E-I-L. H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C dot com. It's also our handle on Instagram, but you can also find me at doctor dot nd and thank us on
0: platforms. <laughs> yeah, and of course all of those links go in the show notes as well. So final question for you all right. is what does it mean to win? What does it mean to win? You know, I've listened to your podcast
1: and I knew this question was coming. I feel like I should have <laughs> been prepared for it. <laughs> I should have been prepared. <laughs> but you know what? I figured feeling good in whatever it is you're doing, because we can have our bad days and our good days, but, you know, I don't think those specifically define us. As long as you got up that day, felt good about whatever it is you did, even if it was the least amount of what you could have done. But I think as long as you did it and you felt good
0: about it and you
1: felt good doing it, that's winning.
0: Amazing. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much. We will, um, well, I'll see you for my IV before the event anyway, but we'll see you at the She Who Wins Summit soon. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.